Welcome to the Rehabica Podcast, and I am Krista Salaka. Rehabica is a community of African medical adaptation professionals who are coming together for the purpose of collaboration and knowledge sharing to facilitate better rehabilitation services in Africa. We comprise of physiotherapists, occupational therapists, speech-language pathologists, prosthetists and orthotists, audiologists, and other allied healthcare professionals. On today's episode, we'll be exploring emergency services in Nigeria and how to integrate rehabilitation professionals into the emergency medical services. With us today, we have our own very own community member who will be taking us through this conversation. We are committed as a community to the 2030 rehabilitation goals from the WHO. In all of our conversations, we'll be focused on strategies and implementations that we as professionals can advocate for and work towards to accomplishing these goals. I do hope you enjoy this episode, so stay tuned. All right, so welcome to the Rehabica podcast, and I am excited to have you here with us today as we discuss emergency services in Nigeria and how we can integrate rehabilitation into the emergency medical team. Um, so start first off, um, can you introduce yourself, tell us who you are and what you do? Okay, my name is Charles Ukagochiagozim. I am... A clinical prosthetist orthotist um, with um, over five years of um, experience, clinical experience in Nigeria. I trained in the Federal University of Technology and I am currently the founder of Highlands Emergency Consultancy Services, the operators of um, the pioneer online and um, app riding services for ambulance um, ambulance provision in Nigeria. Fantastic. Um, one of the major things we are going to be focusing on in in this conversation is, you know, how there is a, a standard now developed by the WHO to integrate rehabilitation into emergency services. But for our audience to fully grasp, you know, how this would come into play in the long run and in coming years, we we'll have to first understand, you know, the state of emergency in Nigeria. And one of the things I'm really happy about this conversation is that you've had experience in both sectors. So you, as a prosthetist and orthotist, you have the rehabilitation experience and you also have the emergency medical experience so from your experience so far um how is the state of emergency services in nigeria um i hear you say that your company is like one of the pioneers um in ambulance services and you would wonder like why like we have a long history of healthcare and emergency needs we are we are the second highest um, emergency tra- and trauma um, country in the world. And you wonder why is that so? So what is the state of emergency services in Nigeria from, from your own knowledge? Okay, um, first of all, before 
I would go to talk about the state of um, emergency services in Nigeria. I would want to give, maybe take a minute or two to give an overview of emergency services. So um, emergency services are services offered by either public or private organizations that take quick action to deal with emergencies when they occur. And emergencies could occur in the workplace, such as um, chemical spills, car accidents, faulty and dangerous equipment, power failures. We could also look at um, emergency situations that could come out as a result of natural, of natural disasters. For example, cyclones, floods, severe storms, environmental hazards, snake and um, spider bites, fallen branches, drowning. Also, um, emergency situations caused in the house, which are domestic hazards, fallen, poisoning, and all that. So um, these are emergency situations generally. And um, we'll be, however, focusing on medical emergency services, of which, according to the American College of um, Emergency Physicians, they gave out um, a brief list of situations that are considered to be medical emergencies, which are bleeding, breathing problems, changing mental status, chest pain, coughing, fainting, um, swallowing of poisonous substances, severe abdominal pain, and a lot of similar situations. So coming down to the Nigerian environment, um, as you rightly mentioned, we have we are we are high on the um, high risk uh, countries to accidents and um, emergency situations. But unfortunately, we do not have an active national emergency service. Although we have the national emergency um, national emergency agency NEMA, and then that uh, uh, they are responsible for accidents and fire disasters and flood disasters and related um, disasters. But in regards to medical response, there is no specific and um, sets out framework to cater for over 200 million Nigerians living in this region of the world. In, in comparison with uh, other countries where there are national ambulance carriers of from which the 911 is very popular. Mm. So talking about the um, Nigerian landscape, I would say that we are really lacking behind because we have found out that the emergency medical service in Nigeria has um, become a political benchmark rather mm. than a health necessity. So uh, we see a lot of governments um, uh, donating ambulances 
and setting up um, emergency care centers, emergency response centers all around their political domains without anyone being effective. So in that regard, we now find out that people now resort almost 100% to private service providers when it comes to emergency medical service in Nigeria. Wow. So, uh, okay. So, um, so so far, so good. The private um, emergency medical service in Nigeria, we are thriving and we are developing rapidly to meet up um, with our international counterparts, especially those in developing and developed countries okay um you, you said something that was really interesting while you were explaining the state of you know emergency medical services in nigeria um that there is no national framework that caters for emergency services and and that worries me um like the national medical emergency agency has been there since 1999 you would think that there would at least be some level of organization now based on the number of years that it has been in existence. We're also fully aware that um, Lagos probably has, you know, I think maybe one of the most coordinated emergency services so far because they do have a toll number. They can be easily contacted. But then I, I feel like the so it's, it's kind of restricted because of, you know, the peculiarities of Lagos. So, with private health, private um, private um, emergency services coming into the into play, what structures do they have to, you know, supplement what is already on board or what is even non-existent? Where are they getting their funding from? Because I feel this should be a government project because it's intensive and it is, you know. It's very capital intensive as well. So how, what are the structures that private practitioners and private sectors are bringing into the ball game to you know, supplement what is already on ground? Okay, um, uh, first of all, I would try to throw more light on what you talked about, about the um, emergency numbers and uh, where we are lacking capabilities and capacity. Um, yes, there, there, are, um, there is an emergency number in Nigeria, but which fluctuates a lot. Um, sometimes it will be listed as 122, sometimes 211, sometimes 121. And when you call, they would either redirect you to the fire service, the police, or they would um, redirect you to the National um, Agency for Emergencies, NEMA. But um, when it comes to the police response, the police response is becoming faster in comparison to how it was before. And also the response of the fire service to the national emergency call service is also improving. But the lacking system there is that of um, uh, the uh, medical um, evacuation service. Because um, aside uh, accident scenes, 
we have individual um, incidences where people in their homes or on the road or in uh, other places um, could have urgent need for medical evacuation. But most times, um, the, the NEMA and other associated agencies in collaboration with the Federal Safety Corps, which have limited number of ambulance services, respond mainly to accident scenes, which happens in major, on, on major roads in Nigeria. So when an individual is um, having need for emergency medical transport, we, we usually find it difficult and it's usually difficult to assess help. So what the um, private players are doing in the industry currently is awareness. Because um, first of all, people have to be oriented and reoriented on how to assess and how to use um, emergency medical services. Um, so the framework that uh, the private uh, sector have, when we talk about transport system, we, we, we have had them the last um, 10 years, we have seen um, private air ambulance services springing up. Mm. We have also seen um, sprinkles of ground ambulance private service providers springing up across major cities in Nigeria. So talking from my own view and from my own end as um, a private provider, one of the things we are doing currently is mass mobilization, mass orientation. And um, we, we have created um, an easy to call number for people to easily assess medical attention. Um, but you find out that a lot of people try out these um, numbers for jokes, um, mm. which is peculiar to the Nigerian, in quotes, the Nigerian mentality of um, not taking things very serious. So a lot of times, because there is no verified database of um, callers and call identities in Nigeria. Um, when most of these um, calls come in, it takes a lot of time for my company and other related companies to assess the validity of these requests. Like someone might see an advert on the road or on a billboard or on social media or on any online resource and the person will call and you find out the person just wants to know how this thing works and after taking a lot of time asking some question the person will drop and at the end of the day someone will tell you um please i want um a uh, a transport from so 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 and so place and by the time you engage the person in um, discussion, you find out that the person has limited information to give in regards to that. So that is one challenge that mm. uh, 
a lot of um, private service providers are experiencing. Wow, that is some insightful information right there. I, I honestly didn't even understand the depth to which we are lacking behind in this regard. So from what you're saying, a major part of, of what we need is awareness as it regards emergency services. And then you also mentioned data. You know, the issue of data in Nigeria is becoming, you know, a very big problem because without it, we really can't move forward. We can't, like you said, we don't have a way to verify um, callers. And this might also lead to to the, the boy who cried wolf. People can be making jokes with these numbers and then the day they actually need it, they will not be able to assess it because of, of the history they've had with prank calls and all of that. So with regard to that, aside mobilization, um, what other ways can we raise the awareness of the need for emergency services? Because I feel like before we can even talk about integration of other medical practitioners in a medical in an emergency medical team, we have to have a, a foundation, so to say, for what they are coming to be part of. So what, what other ways are our awareness being spread in, in, in the Nigerian community? Okay. Um, first of all, it um, boils down to the legislative arm of the Nigerian government. There has to be policies, there has to be acts, there has to be statutes that would be set up to support um, these um, the the emergency medical um, field in Nigeria. So there has to be uh, laws and there also has to be in set incentives for private service providers while we are waiting to develop our own national carriers. The, the, the roadmap to developing a national carrier, I sincerely would say is long, but we can start anytime. And if we are serious about it, we'll find ourselves going really, 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 really far in this regard. So one of the first things that is needed is gov- um, needed is um, government policies. If there is a government policy that establishes a national emergency carrier, just like that of the National Ambulance Service that is seen in the United Kingdom, United States of America, and even in South Africa, in the African continent, there are national ambulance service providers, not just um, emergency service response team in general. Okay. When it boils down to the medical emergency, there is no um, particular framework, there is no distinguished framework in Nigeria. So one of the first things to be done is um, government policies. And when you set down these government policies, it also has to come down to funding. Funding both the private sectors and um, the the public sectors. Then um, you also have to consider um, education. Mm. Because um, there is no, I, I stand to be corrected, but from my last research, apart from organizations that offer 
short courses on um, paramedic training. There is no um, higher diploma or degree um, education um, in Nigeria for paramedic or emergency medical service or even emergency management service or anything related to that. So from the university level to other structures of the education system, there, there is no um, sit-down curriculum that will train people to fill into these spaces. So a lot of times we now see um, allied health workers coming to fit into this void. Yeah. To to close it up and um, no matter how much you know even as a medical doctor emergency response is a skill and it has to be learned and mm -hmm. um, we in other developing countries and even developed countries these courses are offered as degree courses even up to master degree level and um, PhD level so imagine a country that has over 200 million people and with the second highest need for emergency medical service having no um, educational structured framework to cater for these um, people. So and that thing is setting up an education system, a training system that will say, okay, let us train emergency service providers. So when imagine because even if you set up a system, who is going to drive the system? Nobody. But if you train people that to to be useful in this system, somebody or a government or an organization, an institution, or a policy could be made to um to support the emergency service response in Nigeria and because we have enough human resources we would fit in so that is why a lot of times you have seen governments will buy a lot of ambulances governments would then um, bring out um, some numbers to call for emergency response and it's not working because there are no trained professionals in the field that is another aspect that um, we that is being looked at and for the private sector and that the private sector is doing is training um the private sector um at the moment suffices for over 95 percent of um uh, of detailed training programs for emergency medical services in nigeria we have seen um companies and private institutions, training people, even sending us people to international organizations to learn and come back and impute the knowledge uh, in Nigeria. So uh, another way that um, the government could um, also come in that way to boost emergency response is um, through incentives because uh, there are limited number of private service providers in the country. A lot of people have not gone into it because there are no incentives to it. 
But when you look at it as um, a major, as a a major um, service or an essential service that is to be provided, and for instance, give tax costs for it, as is obtainable in uh, many pharmaceutical um, service providers and health service providers, they have tax costs. Mm. Um, but when you don't give tax costs to um, private service providers, they have bills to pay, they have administrative bills to pay, they have um, staff bills to pay, they have insurance to pay for their vehicles, they have a lot of maintenance and associated fees to come up. At the end of the day, it boils down to the common man who would need this service. So at the end of the day, what we realize is the cost of even using the private service providers is high. So another thing the private service providers are doing in this regard, they are coming up on their own, they are bringing up a synergy and a good communication framework among themselves to make sure there is faster response, cheaper response and better quality of service. Like what Highlands does, and um, we have uh, a an automated matching service. Whereas when people um, use our system, we automatically match them to the closest ambulance service providers mm. that is in their community. But uh, the setback we are having at the moment is the limited number of service providers. For instance, there are some states and some towns where there are no private service providers at all. So imagine someone requests for uh, a service in Ocean State and the person is being shown that the nearest ambulance to him is in Okun State or is in Lagos State. That is three hours away. Guys, it makes no sense. Yeah, And by the time the person will have to start looking up and making frantic calls and all that, you see that time, which is of essence, is going. And the life of the person to be transported will be more at risk. Wow. Well, that there's so much work to do, and I I employ you know our listeners and everyone who would come across this piece of information that there are sectors and there are holes that need filling, and we need people who would step into this this field and really help. And I just want to dive deeper into the aspect of training that you mentioned earlier, where you said that currently Nigeria doesn't even have the capacity in terms of qualified emergency medical em, qualified emergency medical team to handle the level of crisis and road traffic accidents prevalent in the country um before i i dive into like why that is so and how that we can you know help provide um mitigate that who makes up the, med- the emergency medical team who are the primary um, medical staff that make up these teams okay um the emergency medical team is um, they are made up um, basically of um, the dispatcher the dispatchers are the ones that um, 
receive the information and they process the information and they now know um, which um, particular subdivision to direct it to because um, also and how this is determined is based on location, age, the type of injury and underlying health conditions of um, a person. This will help them know how best to um, direct um, a, a call of service to the right department. Then you talk about the um, drivers, of course, because um, transportation and transport is a major component of um, the medical emergency service. The um, driver is the one that um, is trained to transport the patient. And when it's um, starting from even the dispatch um, service, uh, the, the dispatch uh, service um, representative, they are also trained because um, people that are calling for medical attention are usually in distress. So it's not uh, a career that any person can jump into because first of all, you have to learn human psychology. You have to have um, a, a little knowledge on speech analysis. You, you also have to have a level of um, self-composure and um, patience when dealing with callers. So these are trainings that are given to people in that regard. When you come to the drivers, the drivers are also trained. One could have driven a commercial vehicle, a private vehicle for three decades, but is not trained to drive an emergency medical service vehicle because there are techniques, there are a lot of skills that are needed to drive these vehicles considering the state of the person that you are transporting so somebody that is in um that is that is is in a critical state for instance you know that there is a speed limit what speed limit can i use for this particular person and and when looking at screen limits, you are looking at meeting up the time frame for the person to assess medical attention and also being in the safe zone. And for a country like Nigeria, where there is little or no regard for um, emergency vehicles, you also, the drivers have to be trained to learn how to maneuver um, between vehicles while keeping the safety of the transported person paramount. In developed countries, once you hear the siren of an ambulance vehicle, uh, a police vehicle or the fire truck, you pull aside. And most times there is also a particular lane for these special vehicles. The only place that um, such a thing exists for now, 
to the best of my knowledge, is Lagos, where the BRT lane for buses is also used for the police and for the ambulance service. Aside that, you see um, the, the emergency medical service vehicle will be on the same lane with commercial vehicles. So there has to be a lot of training, not just um, general training, but having uh, a culture-based, a, a location-based, a mindset-based training to incorporate what is being learned to the realities of the Nigerian society. So that's um, the the other component there. The other components we're now talking about are the emergency medical technicians who have different levels of trainings. And the levels of trainings are, are, are also determined by the services that they are supposed to offer. Like there are emergency medical personnel who have the training to even deliver babies on transit. And some are qualified to give intravenous infusions. Some are, um, are trained to offer um, specialized intubations where necessary. So that's the third component of uh, the medical emergency service. Okay, so just to summarize, you know, the the few people that you mentioned, you mentioned the dispatcher, you know, who, you know, or the call handler who, you know, actually receives these messages. You talked about the driver who I now know pay, plays a very important role because of the peculiarity of Nigeria as it were. Um, and you talked about the emergency medical team itself, who would consist most likely of paramedics, um, EMT technicians, um, doctors and nurses. Which brings me to my next point. Normally, because of the way emergency medical services are perceived in Nigeria, you wouldn't necessarily find a physiotherapist or an occupational therapist or even a prosthetist or orthotist in an ambulance service. So now, um, recently, WHO set up a standard that for every emerg emer emergency medical service, there should be at least one rehabilitation professional who is taking care of at least 20 beds. Um, this was, you know, set in place to help, you know, improve patients' outcomes after they have been handled through their emergency um, situation and also to help people within crisis area zones where there is you know high levels of amputation or high levels of trauma as well so in your opinion how can we begin to spread the awareness that the rehabilitation professionals should be also included as part of the emergency medical team in nigeria so um First of all, it will talk about inclusion of um, the medical rehabilitation profession in Nigeria. And not just for the medical rehabilitation, for both allied health, core health and related 
health professions in Nigeria. Um, first of all, we should try to understand that the well-being and the wholesomeness of a patient is achieved by not just the key players, but by every member of the team in a medical institution, whether the person is in care, out care, or in transit. So from the security personnel to the cleaner, to the nurse, to the doctor, to the physiotherapist, to the medical laboratory scientist, there should be an inclusion. We should come, we should learn to come as a team. The one thing that is lacking in the Nigerian medical sector is inclusion and team play, where every system wants autonomy. Yes, there is autonomy, but a lot of but the cry for autonomy uh, usually arises when there is uh, maybe superimposition of from um, one profession over the other. Mm. So we should understand that uh, it also boils down to setting um, professional boundaries. Okay, I am an occupational therapist. I am not supposed to do the work of a prosthetist. I am a prosthetist. I'm not supposed to do the work of a of a physiotherapist. I am a medical laboratory scientist. I'm not supposed to do the work of an optometrist. But at the end of the day, it's a whole team working for the well-being of the patient. So when we learn inclusion, first of all, and organize the medical framework, we'll now be able to set out and really know the need and how to achieve it. So first of all, when we learn inclusiveness, when we, we learn team play, it would help us know how best to have a, a better a, a interrelational communication between medical professionals. So another thing that um, could be done is also the orientation. For instance, um, we, you, we, we may have uh, incidences of, uh, of uh, someone who, who maybe had a fall uh, wearing a prosthesis. And um, the person had a fall and the person has an injury and also the, the processes of the person is damaged. At the end of the day, and the inclusion that you are talking about means that, number one, you should talk about bringing a specialist, that, um, a trauma specialist that will check if there is form, um, further or any bone damage um, to the person, um, if there is wound breakdown. Talking about inclusion, you should also understand that if this person is an amputee who is already mobilized with a prosthesis, the prosthesis should be also immediately informed 
so that by the time the person would have been transported from the um, medical uh, from the from the vehicle say medical institution um, the prosthetists would have had access to the prosthetic limb and would be making necessary modifications and repair talking about inclusion and team play we're not talking about every person being in the vehicle or every person being on site of response and um, we, we talk about the long-term goal and the long-term effects of um, medical emergency service so and that way is the orientation you let people know okay if this person is uh, is 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 under the supervision of an occupational therapist and the person has a medical emergency you shouldn't just restrict it to maybe clinical specialists but you should also look at all the caregivers that are offering um service and uh, any kind of uh, related care to the person so when the person has um, an, an, an emergency the person is brought in when the person is brought in it, the team is checking the team is checking with other um key players and other players who have one way or the other been active uh, in the well-being of the patient should be alerted and they would run a check on the patients to to make sure the person is okay because a lot of times a um, medical emergency service uh, uh, always ends up in the emergency room of the hospital and then um, when everything works out fine the patient is um, on their way off so it's uh, only on rare occasions do or especially in road traffic accidents and related critical cases where emergency medical service providers are involved to bring in the patient or transport the patient and then the patient is now maybe admitted into the hospital most times it's just for first aid a lot of times when someone an emergency medical service team reaches someone. By the time they would have reached the person, most times they offer on-site rehabilitation, on-site treatment to these persons, that there may even be no need to bring them to and uh, institutionalize them medical care facility. So some people are attended to on-site. So at the end of uh, the day it's boils down to um having a good communication system it have, has to deal with inclusion has to deal with awareness and when when this is done it would go a very long way all right, thank you so much for that. And, you know, that is just to portray one of the things that we are trying to achieve with Rehabica is being able to create that level of inclusion of all types of, you know, medical rehabilitation professionals and as well other allied healthcare professionals within the team. 
and I'm actually happy that um, the WHO is deciding to focus immensely in creating a competency framework that would guide our standard of practice and our integration and collaboration in general. I believe that this would enormously help us, you know, in being able to understand our role in different sectors, especially in emergency medical services. Um, it's been a wonderful conversation and I've personally learned so much from this conversation. And I have literally been restraining myself from thinking about, oh, what are the business opportunities here? Because if we begin to discuss that, it would be another long conversation, but they're enormous. And I indulge our listeners to begin to think outside the box and begin to see how that with the resources they have, they can also be able to contribute to the society and help within their little spaces. Like you said, there are areas, there are remote areas that have no access to emergency medical services and they need them, right? We need training, we need capacity building, and these are things that people can begin to look into and solve these problems and make a huge profit from it while doing so. So just to summarize and round up, um, I'm sure a lot of people will be wanting to know more about you. So where can we reach you? How can we find your service? Where can we see the app? Like, where can we find you? Okay. Um, we offer an online service for ambulance booking. So um, we have our office headquartered in Abuja at Ivan Innovation Hall, third floor, St. James House, 167 Ademola Adetokumbo Crescent, Wuse 2, Abuja, Nigeria. And um, we have our website, highblands.com, H-I-B-L-A-N-C-E.com. People can come there and um, book for a medical, um, medical emergency service. We also have our apps, which are available on um, the Play Store, both for Google and um, Apple users. We also have our phone numbers, um, plus 234-915-212-5729. And our 24-hour WhatsApp service for ambulance service providers, which is plus 234-902-846-6250. We are currently working on creating a short number service for um, our, uh, our prospective users to be able to assess our service. All right, so that is a wrap. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you for having time for this conversation. And I do hope you have an, a wonderful day. Great, thank you so much. And um, it's been a, a pleasure being on this um, series and also being a team of Rehabilica. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Have a nice day.
You too. Thank you for listening into the very end of this conversation. If you want to connect with us, you could check us up on Twitter at WeAreRehabiker or send us an email at WeAreRehabiker at gmail.com or join our Telegram group at WeAreRehabiker on Telegram. Thank you for listening to this episode and we'll see you next month with another monthly podcast.